You're good. Okay. Well, welcome. I guess uh, welcome to the ex atheist, right? This is. I'm Joshua. I'm an ex atheist. I just happened to be on. Leanna was so nice to bring me on board to share a story with you. And this story goes back to the installation of everything that happens at birth. You know, my parents, in some way, shape, or form, related to Catholicism, and as a result, I wound it. I wound up being, if you will, the lust child. <laughs> The, the marriage is going to happen because you were pregnant now. Here it goes. And as a result, my parents wound up getting divorced when I was young. And we maintained this Catholic identity, although my, my dad had some really run in, strange run-ins with the Catholic Church as an altar boy. As you, I'll leave it at that. And my mother was obviously having her own bouts with it as well. But up until the time I was about 13, as I continued down this path and thinking that like this is this is the way, this is the only way I knew. And then it hit me about 13 years old. Rebellion. You know, like, oh man, I went hard on that. And <laughs> for the next seven years, I spent my entire life basically, and uh, if you need to bleep me, this is the time to prepare for it, doing your religion. I don't care about your God, don't care about any of that, because the fruit production I had seen inside of this Catholic, you know, roundabout uh, habit. I can call it more of a habit than a religion. Uh, and um, and I went off the rails. I, this took me all the way into my teens, through high school, into my teens, into the Army. And I did some very unscrupulous things as a result there in the Army. And things that, as I talk about them now in the men's groups that we run, and we do coaching for men that are inside of this uh, space of trying to realize what it is that they're called to do. And I didn't have any of that back then. I had no examples. My dad wasn't the greatest example. You know, he didn't even know his dad. So we spent all this time not understanding the idea of the love of a father. And though he did the best he could, I endeavored to do the best I could. Uh, but it was that time of atheism that really set in my mind just how depraved one can become. Like the idea of this journey and walking alone is... It's an intense one. I mean, it took me through a lot of bouts with drugs. It took me through a lot of uh, bouts with basically witchcraft, a lot of a lot of pornography, fornication, those things. I mean, it even took me down to the depths where I was a stripper for, at one point. And and I only say these things because you know, at well, over the last twenty-three years, fast forward, walk in race as a Christian after coming to Christ in the year two thousand. Like I realize we're still very just judgmental in general. And so that's that's the, one of the things I was trying to shrug off, and I didn't realize it back then, but this idea of being judged and having to do things in accordance with just what everybody else said. And because my parents weren't, and bless their hearts, God bless them, I love them. I'm just stating factually weren't the greatest example for me. I really didn't have anywhere to go for an example. So fast forward the seven years of all that atheism, and... And it was rough. I mean, I've been broken every rule and you can find in the commandments of God, in the Bible, <clears throat> anything that m basic morality, you know, they, they say, <laughs> well, I can just be a moral person. It's like, yeah, I don't think so. It doesn't work. There's something that it needs to be checked against, right? And there, so there must be an authority. And that's where I finally yielded at the age of 20. You know, I had gone about and tried this thing every which direction I could possibly go completely addicted to drugs and alcohol and porn and just that type of lifestyle. And I just gave in. I was down in Southern Cali. I was born and raised in Cali. So I, I went down uh, to Southern Cali for a business trip. As a matter of fact, I was given my hand to go at the entrepreneurship route. And that was exciting for me because I was with a friend of mine and, you know, we're heavily lit up on drugs and whatever on the way there. And Sunday morning, we get this altar call. And it was so weird for the first time in my life, I had like met an anointed evangelist and myself inside of me was stirred so hard that I just went weeping, stood up and walked my little butt down to the, you know, down to the altar and said, I need to make this a go because the last seven years of saying this isn't real, hasn't really produced the fruit that I was after in my life. You know, and back then my fruit that I was after in my life was, well, I'm going to be retired by the time I'm 25. So blah, blah, blah. Look, look at me go. <laughs> I'm going to go do this thing. 
and I had bound, been around entrepreneurs that were millionaires in their 20s and stuff, so it, was, it wasn't a too far a cry uh, for me. However, doing it on my own was never good. And so I went about the first 10 years of my walk or race as a Christian after giving my life to Christ, um, still totally addicted to everything. Like, basically, the only thing I was truly delivered from at that point was my need for God. And I think that's one of the challenges when, you know, you're coming out of atheism or for anybody that's struggling with atheism, like there's still that void that sits there. It's just a matter of, well, we push it down or make excuse for it or we go sedate ourselves through that and through the drugs and alcohol and being promiscuous. And, you know, like you see all the pride things going on now and this like this whole idea of like if I can just while out all the time, then I can hide all of my insecurities through that and even that doesn't work right and we find this happening more and more in society today so i think the stories that at least the one that i'm sharing from this perspective will help some of those individuals come to the realization that this is there's more to this right there's actually more to this being here than what i saw as an atheist like the purpose of every interaction is so divinely inspired but because of ego and because of the things that I had perceived growing up, the things that I had observed growing up, the examples that I had, that conduit of thought wasn't even available to me. So it took a lot of shaking. And so this wasn't the beginning or the end of my journey, really, um, <laughs> this time of being an atheist. Like, this was an integral part of the walk. And I, know, I don't know about how it is for you, Leanna, but as an ex-atheist, the idea is... Like, that's an experience. I'm not chucking the entire experience. I'm, I'm basically going to fold that into the lens of perception that I move forward in, and we just stack on the new revelations in the front. At least that's how I approach it. And that's been a way for, for me to understand, like, there's a reason for this happening. There's a reason for the molestation as a child. There's a reason for the bout of, you know, the hard turn against religion. There was a reason for being an atheist for seven years. There was a reason for everything that happened inside of my life in the Army. And, and frankly, when I started my first family, I thought I had arrived, as most Christians do. You come to this place where, well, I've got Jesus, and well, I know Jesus, and I know God. And it's like, well, beloved, you really don't, not quite like you think you do. And I speak from experience. Like, the thing is a race, right? The entirety of the walk. And it took me 23 years, well, 22 years, the turn of last year, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but the idea of a going on a long fast and this idea of breaking yokes. You know, when we, when we say, Jesus, come into my heart, a lot of people think, well, every yoke is broken. It break every chain, and then we go over, turn around and, you know, hit porn that night, or, you know, we're up watching some movies that are definitely questionable and putting wicked things before us and saying things that aren't great. And so I like the reality of this walk is that, yeah, we're pretty horrible. <laughs> We're, we're in a messed up situation. It's pretty horrible. But there is an opportunity to come freer today than you were yesterday. And so that about 10 years into my race, that's the, what the trajectory became. It's like, well, we're just going after progress. It's not perfection. And then I'd stumble and fall, came into the place of returning to the commandments, which was a great part of the walk, Leanna. I got to tell you, Leanna, this is the one of the big moves that God did inside of my heart was to give me the lens of an obedient son. And after having five kids and the three boys and watching them go through their bouts with obedience, even the, even the girls too, right? This is like, this is a real struggle. And so what's missing in the required peace and the thing that God's put on my heart from the turn of the year now is this idea of get your house in order and become the example. And those things combined are, carving a pathway, a channel, if you will, that these younger men are going to be able to come through and basically hyper, hyper extend or hyper produce inside of their faith walk, right? Not have to struggle through everything, have this idea of an example of a mentor. It's like coaching, which is really, and I, <laughs> I say this in jest a little bit, but it's basically just discipleship in disguise. And I've been a consultant for the past 20 years in my business. I meddled around a lot with the technology, the sales and marketing processes. And in this last year, God was like, all right, we're bolting on coaching. Like basically all those years you were doing great, but that's not where you're going. I need you to completely pivot in another direction. 
And so I, I swore off a quarter million in revenue this year just to pursue this alignment, this calling that God put in my life. And it's an apostolica calling. So there, and so that's one of the reasons why, you know, this idea of like Paul, right? Okay. Yeah. felt a lot like Paul. A lot of the times, like I, in each, in each of my phases, I would begin to externally persecute the, the other believers or at whatever stage of walk that they were in. And I maintained this judgmental perspective until really the turn of the year when I found out and God sat me down and I'll go into this just for a little bit here, but God sat me down at the turn of last year. Literally, I'd gone on a 30 day fast from Thanksgiving to Christmas and it didn't actually, I didn't think it worked, right? Like, like the yoke did not break and it was just water and coffee. And I was down to 140 pounds, very emaciated. And I, I could have had pains. I became very angry and very irritable. And, and it, come to find out, like those were things that were still on the inside. Now this is after 22 years of running this race and running it hard. Like I don't play, I'm an all in or all out kind of guy. So when I was an atheist, like I was all in on that. hundred <laughs> percent. I can totally relate to that. <laughs> right. And the idea is like, okay, now I'm flopped way on the other side here. And I've had this 22 years of different experiences inside of the Christian faith and the growth inside of it, all the way up to this, this idea of Messianic Judaism or whatever you want to call that, or even being a Jew in the spirit and that whole concept. So now all of a sudden this yoke of judgment breaks because I see that I myself am a hypocrite. And that's where he knocked on my door at the turn of the year. After this fast, about another seven days, and it was January 1 at 12, at 12.15 to 12.30 a.m. All the fire, boom, you know, the fireworks are going off. And, and we're near an, uh, an army base here, so everybody was going nuts with it that year. And, and I got to tell you, like, I was in a pity party. I was really in a pity party in a dark place. And I know a lot of men are at this place right now because it's like you're pursuing this thing and you know it's right there. And you're like, well, why can't I reach it? Like I can see it. There's like a veil there. I can, I can see the outlines. I can see all the, the features, but they're, they're blurry. But I want to reach it and I can't. And it was this idea of get your house in order. And he had told me that word. It had been like three and a half years. I'd been mulling it over. You know, we came from South Florida to Tennessee. We began to work on our house. We had another child here, my wife and I. Yeah, you know, we're coming up on uh, nine years here. And it was, it was like I, I couldn't turn the nut, right? I couldn't crack the nut. Like it was too much force required. And so he showed up in that 15-minute uh, space, time space, he basically installed a new operating system inside of me. All of a sudden, like my lens changed. Like then I could see all of a sudden, wow, you really lied about that. Dude, why are you addicted to the, why are you doing this? Like all from a whole different lens. And so I began to examine and cast things out and burn things to the ground and wound up obviously throwing away a quarter million this year to pursue this. I had, I had sent my wife away. It seemed very extreme at the time, but my wife and kids away to stay with grandma for a month while I worked this out because it was like bringing the fire of God down into my surroundings and everything that wasn't truth was just being burned. Wow. That's so I deep, say all deep place. Hmm? <laughs> it's a deep place. It was very dark. And that's one of the things I hear coming up a lot in the men's movements today is this idea of go and uh, what they, some of them you like to use the words like integrate your darkness or whatever. But for me, it was like a process of, well, let me, let me first acknowledge it. <laughs> and once I can acknowledge it, then I can make decisions about it. Cause I'll have the responsibility. I'll have the capacity to own that. And I don't know about you, but beforehand I was always in this victim mode and it was everybody else's fault. Like, man, the kids like, well, they shouldn't be doing that. And the wife, oh, she shouldn't be doing that. And all with the neighbor, they shouldn't be doing that. You know, and I was shitting on everybody, including myself. But I could never come to that place where it was beyond the knowledge. Like, I, I have probably forgotten most, more scriptures than most Christians will have ever consumed. Yep. I, I, and, you know, that's something I find myself talking about quite often. And I find it very important for people to understand that you know, as, as former atheists, I don't think that Christians realize how much time atheists put into studying the Bible and reading the Bible. And 
doing that to turn it around on people. And so, I mean, that's what I did anyway. You know, I was very much, um, I would consider myself a scholar. You know, I, I'm a, I prided myself on being a free thinker and I would do whatever it took to be able to read a scripture and turn it against the person. And I've often found that Christians were highly unprepared to go into a a war of words, so to speak. And and so I like that you mentioned that because that's one of my main points that I always try to drive home is you don't know how well an enemy prepares to war against you. You don't even think they do. They think, oh, these atheists, they don't even, they don't read the Bible. They don't believe in it. Yes, they do. Cause I, I I did it. You know, I I read it twice as an atheist Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. every single chance I got to go against somebody in scripture, I won more often than not because I had actually read it and they hadn't. So I'm sorry to interrupt you on that, but go ahead. But uh, I just wanted to bring that point out because it's so important. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a twofold deal, right? That's a double-edged sword. This idea, like you can sit and get so much tactical education inside of the scriptures yourself by just literally putting your nose to the grindstone and getting after it. But there's this idea of doing it as well, right? As you, as you become aware of it, like then there's a, if you, well, now if you don't do so, you know to do good, but you're just not going to do it. Okay, great. Other side of the sword, if you will. And on the Christian side of things, like, yeah, they're, they're so reliant. And I find this more often than not, which is one of the reasons why God's impressed upon me to launch two movements, Ignition and Go Christ, because Go Christ is going to go into the churches and light that fire back up for them. Is this, you know, this whole thing, like you have got to become responsible as the head of the house. Like you don't bring your family to church to train your family on church, right? You, you, you as a man, and I say you, that's why I'm like struggling with it. <laughs> so as men, the responsibility on our end, particularly as married men, right, with a household that they're, they're shepherding and taking care of, like is to become the example. Then there's no way around that. So the, the responsibility level is through the roof. And I see men right now, particularly, and I'm going to harp on the men because I happen to be one, right? <laughs> the women I find actually are more awake which is mind-boggling in its own, probably its own podcast topic. But I find these men so asleep and unwilling to address the truth. And if they will just come to a place where they can be without judgment, I believe they'll begin to see just how naked and uncovered they are. And it's time to cover up and not just cover up, but armor up. And then it's time to get the reps in on the war because as you use that language about your enemy, like we have this, we have this thing going on in the flesh, right? There's all kinds of people that are presenting themselves as our enemies, but think about what that means in terms of the spiritual battle, right? As an atheist, like I, I remember, like it seemed like the devil left me alone, but <laughs> as it were, uh, almost like we were buddies at times. <laughs> sure, you know, it, and it, that, that, man, that is so so on point because recently. Um, you know, I've, I've stepped out a lot and I've stepped out in faith to put this podcast together. And I wrote a book. It's the ex atheist becoming Paul. So I get, I get what you're saying too, with the Paul thing. Cause yeah, he's pretty much an ex atheist. And uh, it's, it's just crazy. It's when you get in that point where you know that you're not even necessarily in God's will, not to be so, um, callous to say I'm in God's will. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Because that's a, that's a very proud statement to make. I think I'm not trying to be very humble that that I'm at least trying to venture in that direction, and not in His permissive will, but in His divine will. And the more I find myself aligning with the things that I feel like God is calling me to, the more I get attacked. And oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I can't even begin to tell you in these past three weeks, and this is me being very vulnerable here. I felt like giving up completely. Like I, I was like, you know what, God, if this is how it's going to be, why don't I just go back to being an atheist? None of this happened then, you know, and, and oftentimes, not oftentimes, but sometimes I do find that struggle. I'm like, 
well, gosh, you know, I mean, I've, I've forsaken all these other things and, you know, I'm trying to, to witness to people and talk to people and to spread the good news. And man, sometimes it's hard. It's not easy. It's not all rainbows and butterflies, but I, I don't mean to, to interrupt, to take your time, but I, just certain things, you know, really hit. And uh, I feel like I need to expound on that because it's not always going to be easy. And, and there are attacks. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm not arguing with the person down the street. I'm, 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 there is a spirit behind that. There's a spirit of, of divination and, or divisiveness, you know, that, that just comes through these people. And as we get to the place where God wants us to be, and I know you've, you've mentioned this too. It's just, it's like, wow, really God, this is what's going to happen. But, uh, uh, like I said, I don't mean to interrupt, but back to back to what you were saying about uh, being friends with the devil, almost like I get it. <laughs> he was he was leaving us alone then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Leanna, then that's uh, wonderful. Like first off, ha you know, congratulations for being vulnerable. That's a tough thing to do today. And I mean, you don't know me from Adam, and this is all a public podcast, right? So being able to come to a place and share. And this is the space where I find in my walk right now, like this is the only way to go to war. There is no other way for me. And that is for me to be naked and unashamed. And I can't tell if that's going to be a title of book yet or what the heck that's about, but naked and ashamed because the very point you made about the darkness in the experience of the path and, and particularly when you're on this race and you're doing it alone or you feel like you're alone. Right. The moment you get into that lonely estate, that is like murder to a spiritual walk without encouragement. And so one of the things I find with these men that are coming around now and, and beginning to open up and getting the permission to do this, they're, they're becoming more equipped to go to war because they can begin once they've unburdened themselves, it becomes easier to unburden as more trials present. And because we're unburdening ourselves with the reality of the struggle, other people that hear it are also encouraged to unburden themselves. And this is that chain reaction of becoming the example that I keep harping on a little bit here has become the example thing. And like took my business of 20 years from the entrepreneur's partner to now become the example. Like, oh my gosh, like he's, no, he's like, nope, we'll put it in in your business. Like, this is the thing I made for you. Like, wow. Okay. So the other thing is the rigidity, right? A lot. So people are find are really convinced and, and rightfully so it's good to be convinced, right? But there's this other component that remains and there's, there's a convinced where it's prideful, like you were talking about, where it leads to a brick wall and you ain't hearing nothing from nobody. And then there's, there's this idea of being I like the new container of wine, if you will, the new wineskin. It can breathe. Like you can breathe and not be affected. Like if somebody disagrees with you, you don't have to go to the bat, you know, or go to the mat with them and, and start pulling on an arm bar, you know, or something. You know, you don't really have to make them tap out because the beauty is that as we become the example in our own walk, the divinely set course of the individuals, not only our, ourselves, but those whom God's trying to reach just begin to intersect and the things happen. And as we're able to walk in this idea of presence and a funny thing too, Leanna, and I think this is why atheists have such a great perspective on all of this <clears throat> because the scriptures were very clear, like the children of this world, they are more wise than the children of the kingdom. <laughs> and I struggled with that scripture for a long, long time. And just like, how could this be? How could this be? In this past year, I learned more techniques from quote unquote children of the world that are trying to align themselves with Christ than I have inside of my walk as a Christian. So this has brought the idea of breathing, breath work, and meditation to my repertoire. All words that are in the scriptures. I mean, divinely inspired. And he breathed into this lump that he formed with his hands and Adam became a living soul. This idea, this idea of meditating upon the word day and night, every king, every priest was to do that. In fact, every Israelite and every Christian should be technically doing that if they're grafted in, right? I mean, it's the same type of command, the same idea. Hey, make sure you keep getting this on the inside of you. Sure. 
And, and there's this rigidity that sits with that pride that won't allow people to become teachable and cross over into that threshold. And that becomes a really, really tough point. And I run into this with like, for example, creative, creative, wrong word, cradle Catholics. Like I don't really identify as one technically, but when I'm around them, like that's the only way I identify because they know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but most of them have gone through this very bout of atheism for the same reason. And a lot of them aren't even practicing anymore. You know, they just, they might show up once or twice in the year to for whatever it is they're showing up for. But this is not really the authentic Christian walk, right? The authentic Christian walk was this process of discipleship, this process of death and rebirth, and this this process of becoming one, really. If the Spirit of God is in you, then Christ is in you, and the Father comes with you and sups with you. And like that, that was the point. That's what we were after. Not, you know, hey, give me a cracker on Sunday with a little grape juice. Thanks. Stop touching my head like that. You know, those kinds of things. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to edit that out if you need to. No, you're good. Um, yeah, I mean, like I don't, and I don't hate the church at all. I know a lot of, a lot of people that came from this atheist walk, we're a little more poignant when it comes to the way we describe things about the church or, you know, I, I've known a lot, especially coming into the idea of conspiracies, for example. Oh my gosh. Like, have you gotten into any of the spaces of, like, the food, for example? The corruption of the food? I haven't. Um, are you meaning, like, just the, the things that are in our food now? Um, it's, like, hormones and things like that. Is that what you're going for? Sure, that's out? a good start. That, 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 would be a, that would be an entry point to that vein, yeah. So, right. things like I'm, that. I'm interested. <laughs> Well, there's so many things I wouldn't want to take up like all oh, this time over this idea of food. But I will say this, my wife and I, so in nine years, I have been the guy that said, okay, babe, we just need to eat less and move more. And she'd be adamantly like, no, <clears throat> why not? It's technically eat, eat less, eat less bad stuff, eat less in general and move more. I guess no, come on. Like this, this for me, very clear. And we and I bring this up for a reason. We get to the end of this nine years, and after all this work that God had me do on myself this year in 2023, at the end of the year we had a conversation, and it was like, "Babe, all right, tell me what you think about this. Eat better, move better." And she immediately bought it, and I'm like, ah, "Dude, nine years. Here we go. This is the sign. This was a fruitful sign for me. Like this is the idea of eat better and move better." So. I'll go so far to say this, the governments of the world absolutely do not care about their people, period. And it's oh, evident yeah. inside of the fruit that they produce. Mm -hmm. Now, this is my opinion. This is not necessarily the opinion of, your, of, of Leanne or the show or anything, but this is my opinion. And the way I see it evidenced in the fruit is the idea of the, uh, the food, um, your food pyramid. Like, here, here's what everybody should be eating. Why are they so quick to want to schedule everything inside of the schools, you know, and, and they want people depressed in a way that they're able to get them feeding on the government handout, the government cheese, if you will. They're getting them into a position where they are needy and dependent instead of inspired and independent and productive. Like, this is just the fruit of what's actually happening inside of society. Um, the allowance for them to walk around and, you know, things that five or seven, eight years ago, whatever it is now, were considered mental health issues are now considered the norm and actually propagated. Like, there's something drastically wrong going on. And then you look at the food side of things. People are, you know, so full of cancer now. Everything's processed sugars. Everything's, everything's processed and quick. And everything quick is not great, right? The idea of the sowing and reaping process even Christians, we struggle with that because we're into this whole instant rely on other people and rely on other things instead of taking responsibility and pressing into the kingdom and really running the race. And that's the idea of eat better, move better is, okay, well, why don't you find out what it is for your body type, for your, you know, habits to begin to eat better? 
Maybe it's a combination of eating less, eating different things, cutting certain things out of your diet, but you have to have responsibility for that process and nobody else can care about it more than you or it will fail, right? You'll have, you'll become the victim. You'll have someone else to blame. And then the move better is, and that's again, hard things to do by yourself. <laughs> I am not going to lie. It's very, be very difficult, but it's doable. The move, the move better idea would be simply something like get good, get good sleep every night. Go to bed early, wake up early and do something for your body in the morning. You know, that idea of getting up and kickstarting as a Christian. Now I see it as a temple, right? The true temple of the Holy Spirit, which that was another thing. Didn't make sense to me as an atheist. Like, why are you guys eat like crap all the time? Like you go out on these Sunday, I'm going to go to the buffet and I'm just going to eat like everything. (laughs) I was like, wow, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Look at you go. (laughs) All right. And and those are the things that like I'm after, right? As dis, as discipling men, showing them that there's there are more things going on than you know. We're not here to just go get the job or whatever, like support the family, and that's all part of it and everything. But there's this self work that has to. Like, how do you know you love yourself? Like earnestly, I mean, I mean not not rhetorically even. Like Leanna, how do you know when you're loving yourself? Man, that's a that's a difficult question, you know. Um, I guess I, when I when I try to, I don't really do that enough. I don't, and that's a kind of an embarrassing spot to be in because, you know, I sit here sometimes and I think, well, gosh, I'm doing the whole job and I'm doing the podcast and I'm doing the homeschool with all the kids and I'm doing this and I don't know that a lot of times I even like myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if, if I can't, you know, I, I, my husband is a, oh my gosh, I always tell everybody he's the example of fruit of the spirit and I'm a black crow song, hard to handle. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the, the, the way we, uh, we operate, but I'm going to have to think on that one. I, I, I can't truthfully answer that right now. Well, good. Well, good on you for being honest about it, right? And not trying to make up some BS answer to cover over it. That, again, that vulnerability. Like, I'm not going to – that's not, that's not how I roll. Like, that's yeah. really, I'm, I'm actually writing that down now. <laughs> good, good. Because that's one of the things I struggled with. And when I was lying to myself constantly, I could just kept convincing myself I did. And I would tell everyone too. I mean, and I'm, if you can't tell, I have the gift of speaking, right? There's this something that God gave me that actually works when it comes time to speaking. So when I'm having my inner dialogue or I'm speaking with somebody about how I'm doing, I was really good at lying about it. And so it was this process of telling the truth, though. I, te- I kid you not. It was the whole process of simply telling the truth. And all of a sudden, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And, you know, that would come in like, dang, look at that. Just exactly <laughs> like it said in the book. And that's been the funny part of this fruit of this walk, right? There's a lot of different steps in the journey. There's a lot of different experiences I mean, I'm even okay at the point now where I used to be super triggered when people like, there's many paths to God. And I'd be like, mm, let me stop you right there, bub. I was that kind of guy. And yeah. like, we're on. Let's go to the mat on that right now. Like, you're not my friend if you believe that. Like, I was really judgmental <laughs> at times in my, in my life. And now I sit here in this place and like, just breathe, like, whatever. Like, Okay that's what you see and now why do you see like what's the fruit of that in your life right now and i'm able to approach things from a more of a curiosity perspective and then the scripture like well unless you become like a child you're not even going to enter in the kingdom well what's the what's the child you know homeschooling and we homeschool our little ones here like what's the word that perfectly fits every single child curious right Right. They are literally curious about everything. And sometimes they're curious about the same thing a hundred times. And I don't get that part, but sometimes I do. Sometimes they're curious about the wrong things too. And then, like, mm, then you know how that discussion goes. You got to yeah, a little bit. But anyway, I get, I get what you're saying. 
For sure. And so like, that's the idea, right? Is so we have this freedom in Christ that's been given us and why the atheists can't see it because they don't see the fruit in that most of the Christians they encounter. This freedom to operate that has a non-judgmental approach to everything. It is, it's like a child just following the shepherd or following dad and curious about things. And when, when the time comes and we're doing the wrong thing, we get a little correction. But if, if we come, become like children in that, in that sense, as I was just explaining, this idea of curiosity, I could just breathe and like, here I am in the moment, this thing came up. That's interesting. Let me ask a question. <laughs> and it's changed all of my conversations, conversation, my wife and I, my queen, she has told me more things. Um, let's see, just in the past three weeks, four weeks, than then she's been able to tell me in our first eight years of marriage. Because year nine is was all about exposing the truth, and this going back to this idea of naked and unashamed, and again the children, what are they? They're na when they're naked, they're unashamed. So when we're able to be honest about these things and open, this is this is the way. This is the move that God's doing. People want this revival. It's like we'll stop hiding, tell well, the truth. I'm going to interrupt you again because it, um, when you say naked and unashamed, it, it David, when you know he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem and he he danced naked before the Lord. He he danced with all his might and he said, you know what? I'll become more undignified than this. Like if you think I'm crazy now, you know, his wife said, You're embarrassing, more or less. She's like, What are you doing? That's embarrassing. And he looked at her and said, I'm gonna become more undignified than this because he was excited to be bringing the presence of God back to his home. So when you talk about naked and unafraid, man, the story of David just, that just really hits with me. It slaps, like my kids would say. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's actually, it's funny you should bring that up. It's not funny. It's um, divine. So thank you for bringing that up. So two, two things that come up on that. I had this friend of mine for years, and we've been friends for you know well over a decade and scriptural friends, and we'd actually challenge each other in, in our walk as, as brothers ought to do. And he's been one of the few that's ever done that with me. And he kept telling me over the years, and I used to get triggered by it. He's like, you're of the tribe of Judah. Uh, like, dude, cut that out. Like, there's no, you don't know. I don't know for sure. He's like, dude, no. Just the way you jumped on the commandments when that came into your revelation field and this, that, and the other thing. And I've seen the visions. I've seen it. And I'm like, come on. For years he did this. And then at the turn of last year, I had this little moment where I, I could, it was wild. I don't know if it was two angels. I really don't know. But it felt like it was like Yeshua the Christ and the Father putting hands on me from behind. It was the wildest thing. Like I was down on my knee, head down on the table. And breaking down. Anyhow, uh, and that's where this idea of Judah came in. And the other one is there's a word that God gave me. He said, what heart are you? It was a David or Saul comparison. And this is a big challenge for the church. In fact, this is one of my declarative challenges to the church is which heart are you? Are you David? Or are you Saul? And it really leans into this idea that like Saul lost his kingdom because he cared more about what the people thought. And then yeah. the exact example you gave is where David really didn't care, even when it came to Goliath. Like, like all y'all crazy? Nobody went out there and slayed this guy yet? Come on, God will <laughs> deliver in my hand. Let's go. And he's ready to go because it's this idea of walking with God, not just having this claim to some inheritance or something. Right. There's an actual action that needs to take place. And those are the things that have been missing in discipleship in general and why people are happy to remain an atheist. Now, what was your trigger for coming out of atheism? Um, well, I do kind of talk about it a little bit in my book, and it's it's one thing, honestly. Um, so I was in a very, very bad place. And honestly, I just couldn't function anymore. I was laying in my bed. And to be honest, Josh, the... I was, I was ready to kill myself. Like, I, I mean, I was ready to end it. And I called my grandfather and I said, Papa, I know you've been a minister your whole life. Like, I don't even believe in this. But at that point, I told him I would dance naked in the streets in a rainstorm if I thought it was going to make a bit of a difference. Like, I, I just didn't care. Like, I needed 
peace in my mind because I was at the end of my rope. I couldn't handle it anymore. And, and my grandfather said, Leanna, God's going to listen to you more than he listens to me. And I thought, well, gosh, that's so sad, isn't it? That God would listen to an atheist more than he's going to listen to a guy that spent his entire life preaching the gospel. That's kind of pathetic, but I tried it. And I laid there in my bed and I I always talk about like, a, it's kind of like a Jacob-esque experience with God because I wrestled with him with words and I was like, listen, I don't believe you. I don't think you're real, but if you are, if there's a chance that you're real, you better show me right now because I'm at the end of my rope. I can't, I can't do this anymore. You have to show me, like reveal yourself to me. Just show me you're real. That's all I'm asking for. You don't have to do anything else. Just show me you're real. And to this day, I still have never had the amount of peace that came over my body at that point in time. I couldn't explain it. I had tried meditation. I had tried crystals. I had tried literally anything that I could possibly think of that did not involve God to change everything. And at that point, like, like I said, it was maybe 10 minutes after I had pleaded with God and he showed me he's real and he gave me that peace. And, and, you know, from there, they're like, okay, well, maybe that was just a coincidence. And no, it wasn't because then I picked up a Bible and I opened it up and, um, it came over to. I just, I didn't even look for anything. I just, have you ever done that? Just kind of open the Bible, just flip through it, be like, okay, God, here's chance, bam, and throw your finger oh, yeah. down, right? So I did that, and it landed on Job chapter 42. And if, if you're familiar with the story of Job, which I'm, I'm sure you are a little there, he, he lost everything he had. He was just in a really, really tough spot. And at the end, on, on, in chapter 42, it says, who was I to question your wisdom? I spoke of things that I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. And now I sit in ashes and repent. And I thought, oh, oh my gosh. And and it, at that point, it just hit. I was like, that's me. That that That's me. I sat there and talked about things I had no clue about. I sat there and said things that didn't exist, that God didn't exist. And I had no clue what I was talking about. And now I'm sitting here in my bed on the verge of suicide, repenting. And from that day, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying there haven't been struggles. You know, Satan still likes to pop his head around and be like, hey, remember when? Or, you know, <laughs> things are a lot better sometimes when you didn't believe, weren't they? That still happens, but that's just... That's something that we have to deal with. You know, just because we get saved doesn't mean everything is going to be great and wonderful and and perfect. And, you know, we're, we are a spirit in a fleshly body. So sometimes those things are just going to come up, but we have to know to put them in their place and rebuke them. But from that day, it's just, man, everything changed. And, I, and then I, I told these people that I used to mock and I was like, Hey, um, I just got saved and she, she just got really quiet. <laughs> Her name is Kim. And I know she's probably listening right now. She was like, what? And then she had been praying for me every single time that I mocked her and I made fun of her and it was relentless. You can ask, I mean, you can't ask her cause you don't know her, but it was relentless. I would make fun of everything. She would post videos in church and I'd be like, <sighs> Or I'd laugh, react, or I'd make some kind of comment. You know what I'm talking about. You've done it, I'm sure. And, but she never gave up on me. And so to this day, she's kind of like my spiritual, we're the same age, but she's kind of like a spiritual mother to me. And I can go and I can talk to her. But that's it, man. I I, I come completely um, unhinged and derailed there. But but that's that's my experience. You know, I was on the verge of suicide. And God reached down, shook me really hard, and said, I'm right here. You just have to open yourself to me. 
Yeah, that's good to hear. You know, a lot of the a lot of the people I find they are encountering a lot of this, uh, a large part of this resistance. It actually gets harder, and I've heard it phrased this way: grand old brother in, in Christ that was uh, actually called prophet. He would say, you know, these battles are going to get harder, but they're going to get easier. And it's this idea of getting the reps in and and acknowledging the fact that you're in a war and you're actually going to battle. Right, over and over and over and over again. Yeah, there's no, there's no. Oh, I took the Christian pill, and <laughs> here we go, and we have it. <laughs> but there is, there are these particular moments, and most of most people encounter this time where it's really dark, and then there's this saving grace, right? And that, that's what our little, you know, testimony, generally speaking, that we would give in church, and. And then there's this idea of being filled with the Spirit of God, you know, sometimes at the same time, sometimes at a different time. Then there's these massive revelations for personal stuff. That kind of, and so throughout your journey, right, there's going to be times of like way markers on your journey. And that's what's exciting for me as I map this road out and what's been a 23-year journey on my end is going to be like a five-year journey or less for some of these youngers that are coming up that are ready, that are on fire, that really want to be serious about their walk with their walk, let's say with the father, right? This knowing they're a prodigal son returning and mm -hmm. same with the women. Like this is a one body effort, one spirit, like all the things that are written in that book, like de facto, and it sounds like just take it all literal, not what I'm saying, but the idea that if you'll see some of these things as you put the word into you enough and then you encounter it in your life and you're like, wow, if I'd had just done exactly what the word would have said to do right there, that would have worked out just fine. And then one next right. time you do it, I'm like, wow, look at that. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and like, how do you fight an unknown foe or an unseen foe? You have to follow the battle plan to a T. Yeah. And Absolutely. this is the only way these guys in the tunnels get fought. You know, they're, they're everybody is completely on plan. And on target, as target moves, we move with it. And so leaning into this experience and having this relationship, like while it's great people say that, there's the doing of it. And that's the journey. That's the exciting part of moving from atheism, which was very bleak as far as my outlook was, to this hope of glory that as I continue to press in, God continues to reward me to the point where I actually activate what I'm called to do. Right. And right. then everything's on fire. I'm going to ask you a question. And this is, um, I could edit this out if you'd like. But um, when, you, when you were, I know you said you've been a Christian now for what, going on 20 years, I think you said. Yeah, 23. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the challenge I'm facing right now, and, and I'm not calling out anyone in particular because it's not, it's truly not anyone in particular, but. I almost feel like a lot of people want to say, well, Leanna, you've only been a Christian for three and a half years. Why are you stepping out like this? Um, you, you have to do this and you have to, you have to go through all these different steps before you can step out in a calling. And, and I'm just, I, sometimes I'm befuddled by that. Like, well, but I feel like, I feel like that was God telling me to, to step out and do this. Or I feel like um, we should be doing this or that. And it's almost like they want to, it's not quenching the spirit, but it's almost like they say, uh, well, you know, maybe you should just, maybe you should just hang on on that. Maybe you shouldn't, um, you got to walk before you crawl. And I'm like, well, I get it. You know, I get that sometimes you have to walk before you crawl, but when God has called you for something, man can't hold you back from that. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to say? And I don't know if that's just like a personal experience. Or because I feel like I'm super gung ho about this, you know what I mean? Like, man, I just want to tell every single person my story. I wrote a book for Christ's sake. I, I that's not me, yeah, <laughs> you know. I get and you. It's just, does that happen to other people, I, or, or is it just you know that Satan's way of trying to put a damper on the obvious calling on your life? You know, things come on. That's a really good question, by the way, first off. And no no need to edit this out. I think this is actually really relevant for a lot of people. Um, one of the things that I found in my perspective, like I knew what my calling was early and I went hard on it. Like with you, like I was, I just started my first family, starting this first business, like 
this is the thing, and now we're going to go minister this, and I'm going to do online Bible studies, and I'm going to be in the forums. I mean, shit, I, MySpace was a thing back then, right? You imagine the MySpace, MySpace forums? <clears throat> that was a nut. <laughs> uh, that was a case of uh, there was things even before that, but that's what I really went in. I went all in on it, right? And I was studying somewhere in the neighborhood eight to ten hours a day. Like I couldn't get enough of this thing. I wanted to talk about it. Couldn't hold it in anymore. And what I found is like I hadn't matured yet. And this it doesn't mean that this is the case with you. I am not also trying not I am also not trying to advocate for what the others have said. Sometimes I have heard this in my course and I look in hindsight and thought, well, maybe that would have worked out better if I'd have listened to that advice. But the other times what I'm really after is just I want to hear from God and do what he told me to do. And there's no beating the experience of producing the fruit of his kingdom. When you begin to do that, when you take bold leaps of faith like you're doing with all this, and you sit here and you go after what you believe God's called you to do, it either produces the fruit or it doesn't. It's either working or it's not working, right? And there's conversations between you and God that have to be had about all that, right? That's that's not a thing for the body to sit and judge. That's everyone to work out their their deliverance, their salvation with this fear and trembling. That's a relationship that you have with God. We can be parts and conduits to it if you're open to it, and God can use us to speak things into your life if you've asked for things. But really, the beauty of the experience is in what you're holding on to, right? Try all the things that come up and hold fast to the good things. Right. Right. There's going to be a good fruit in the, in the production of that decision that's going to be more kingdom-minded. It's, yeah. going to, it's going to cause you to further press into the kingdom as a result and likely bring others along with you. Right. And, and, I, and I think that sometimes it's just, I don't know. And, and I don't think that Christians realize when you're coming from a point of atheism and not everybody can relate to that. And I guess I, you understand where I'm coming from. Like you almost feel like you need to make up for all those years. Right. So you get saved and we know that God forgave us for it. But me, the, the kind of person that I am, I almost feel like I'm like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Like, how, you know, you've ever argued with somebody and, and been in the wrong so much. And you, and you just like you try to spend the rest of your life making up for it. And I know we can never make up for our sins. But that's why, like you said, you were, you're an all-in kind of guy. You're either all-in or all-out. And that's how it was with your experience then and your experience now. And so I feel yeah. like people want to put limitations and on, you know, what I do or what I say when I say it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I know where I came from and I know where I am now. And I know that God has given me this story for a time. It's like, it's like, it's a, you were born for a time as this, for this time, not mm -hmm. five years from now. You're, you're, when you're called, you're called. And when, when people try to put like a timeline or a stamp on that, sometimes it just, it doesn't sit well with me. Like, <laughs> but I guess it's just kind of a, a tangent that I, that I found myself in. It's actually, it actually happened today. Uh, so it's funny, you know, but I, I guess, I guess that's just a moment of clarity that I need to, to seek God and, and talk with him about it because, you know, obviously I don't, I don't want to be in God's permissive will. I want to be in his divine will. I don't care about like, okay, well, you're, you're, you're in my permissive will. I want to be as close to him as I can possibly be. And that's going to take a whole lot of getting rid of some junk and some crap that still lingers, especially with, uh, you know, the, the demons that you fight in your mind. I mean, that's the Joyce yes. Meyer wrote a, a book called battlefield of the mind. And, Man, it's just that's a hard place to be sometimes, especially when you when you try to wage war when Satan's coming at you with these gnawing thoughts of, man, you really screwed up. You know, you you spent your whole life uh, as an atheist and you you what good are you now? You know, you're 40, you're almost 40, almost 40 years old. You know, what good are you now? You know, some preachers have been preaching for 20 years <laughs> and you're just now starting to, to even talk. So what good are you? So I guess, uh, uh, I need to just 
work that out with God and not worry about what other timelines people might have for me. That the timeline that matters is what God gives us. And if he tells you to jump off the edge and, and dive head in, do it. Don't don't sit there and wonder like, well, shouldn't I have been a Christian for X amount of years and 12 months and two days and seven hours before I try to do something like that? No. Yeah. God, God calls us for a time as this. So another tangent there, but. Uh... <laughs> no, it's a good reminder, right? The, the whole idea, and I'd like to detail this as a game anymore, really. This is in my case, my game, Leanna, you are playing your game. And this is the beauty of being able to respect each other's boundaries, but also want each other to win. Like, there's a place of scarcity that some people come from. Leanna, you'll run in, you've run into this lots of times, but particularly inside the faith where they have refused to go do the thing they've been called to do. And as a result of not being honest about that and how they really feel about that when they see others going and doing the thing full-heartedly, um, they begin to act as, say, the crabs in the bucket. Right. And they get a little crabby and want to pull you down. So there's a mixture of all of that. And then there's real spirit-filled responses for you to consider. So I love how you took it all the way. You know, you took it all the way back into, hey, look, I got to go return a report with God. In fact, we just did that speech, uh, speech, that service in India on the Sabbath here that just passed. And we were having this conversation about being in alignment there. Like you have to line yourself up with God and come back and return and report. And that's, there's a blessing in resting and ceasing from your own works and reconnecting with God in a way that's meaningful. Like this is where I'll have like a lot of my deeper discussions with the father about, okay, this is where we're progressing. And I actually don't you know, tear it apart. I can feel this way about it. Here's a story I'm telling myself about it and go through and journal and, and document what is it that I'm actually reporting and then spend some time in meditation and prayer and coming back to the journaling and pulling out all of the nuggets, if you will, of wisdom that are coming forth from the process and understanding like every day we've got to battle in the mind and do this pivot because things come up. You know, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, wow. Just what a story you have and, if I could say one thing, what would be your one takeaway from your from from what we've talked about today? What's the one thing that you would encourage people to to really sit down and and think about and try to accomplish? Well, the number one thing that we all desire, whether we know how to articulate it or not, is this idea of connecting with our Father, with our Maker, with our Creator, and so. That I would have you consider, just be open to the ideas that others are presenting in your walk. As Leanne, you were describing this idea of people not giving up on you. There are people that love you, that actually want good for you. And part of that good is really an authentic relationship with your father. But you are going to have to be the one to get after that. So take action today in pursuit of it. I like that. That's very good. And if you don't care to just uh, pray us out and uh, I really appreciate you being on the show. I will have some information about um, Joshua's ministries, and uh, we'll we'll have all of that here available for you. But if you could just pray us out. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me, Leanna. Well, uh, let's just do a different thing then, because I've been practicing this since the turn, certainly the turn of 2024 in all of our services. But we, we breathe before we pray, so we'll just do three deep breaths, get comfy in your chair, wherever you're at listening to this, be at rest for a moment. And we'll do three deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth, if you're able, and then we'll pray and we'll exit out. Deep breath in and out. Deep breath in and out. Last one in and out. There we go. Well, fathers, we wrap up this podcast. I want to thank you for Leanna and this hosting this platform and the opportunity to come and speak your word to your people 
particularly from this lens of an atheism background or currently in atheism and the beauty of the walk and relationship that there is to be had with you. And I ask you to bless this and all those that are hearing it and everyone that's in pursuit of this race of a relationship with you right now and let them be encouraged in this walk together as we come together as one body and ignite the potential within each of them that they may become an example, a firebrand in their own homes and in their own lives and communities. So let this be sealed for them. Let all the favor required for them to pursue it be made. Let all the clarity they need given in communication with you of the direction you would have them to do divinely, that you have inspired them to do and created them to do in this day and this hour. Make it clear for them. And all the power of the enemy be bound from this so far as this voice can be heard. In the name of Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen.